Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to the first of a series of podcasts. It's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I really just simply want to start a conversation about the foundations of our Christian faith, about those authentic things that are essential to all of us who are followers of Christ. I think if we'd rediscover those and apply ourselves to them, we could move more towards that unity of the faith that Jesus talked about in John 17, where we would all be one, just as he and the Father are one to recover those historical foundations that truly are that faith that St. Jude said has been passed down to us from the beginning. I don't believe that we get to make faith up. I believe we receive the faith and that it doesn't really change based on our culture in which we live in or our political views or our denominational interpretations. I actually think that there is one faith and that if we could uh, have this conversation about what is the basis of that faith. So that's the question I'd start with in this episode, is what is the basis of our faith? And I think everybody would, probably would respond, well, it's the Bible. And I wouldn't disagree, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me, right? Um, and that book actually is the gathering of many books that are compiled together to make this one book that we call the Bible or the sacred scriptures. As we say that, however, what I have come to realize, and I hope you do too, is that those first generation of followers of Christ, those first Christians, actually in the first several hundred years of Christ, they really didn't have the Bible as you and I would describe. Um, the, the basis of their faith was really the person, Jesus, the word that became flesh. And it was the word that had become flesh, this life that had been lived by this man that was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, and then lived 33 and a half years. And so the Bible, the scriptures as we have it that we call the basis of our faith, was developed in a time and in a certain process that included not just uh, scriptures, but creeds and sacraments, baptism, the Lord's Supper, uh, that was uh, passed on to us through the apostles, through these people that had been trained and mentored by the Lord himself, and then they in turn uh, laid hands on others and show us how to interpret scriptures, how to apply the gospel through the baptism and the Lord's Supper, how to live faithful to this revelation of God in Christ. And so uh, in this session, I want to just talk about these sacred scriptures, this, this Bible that doesn't take a real scholar to know has been the best-selling book since the 15th century. You know, somewhere around 1454, uh, this book has been sold. And again, it's this coming together of many books. And, and then we have to ask which one. I mean, uh, the Bible that we in the West generally use contains 66 books. The Latin Bible, 73. The Orthodox, 76. And the Ethiopian 
Coptic Bible 81. This, this book was compiled by 40 writers over a period of about 1,600 years. Some of them were judges, sheep herders, farmers, priests, uh, statesmen, tax collectors, fishermen. They were from various political points of view. Uh, the books were written in palaces and prisons and pastures during times of peace and war, famine, all kinds of circumstances. And there's every kind of literary uh, example, right? There are genealogies, there's poetry, there's prophetic writings, there's proverbs, there's the sayings of Jesus, parables, sermons, prayers, psalms, and even uh, apocalyptic writings. This collection of texts that are put together in uh, multiple various kinds of books, I think most of us agree with that they are of a divine origin. And yet, that divinity didn't drop out of the sky, shrink-wrapped in some kind of wrapper, untouched by human hands. No, uh, the divine message was brought forth through humanity. Human beings had an involvement in the writing and the presentation of this thing we call the sacred scriptures or the Bible. And again, that first generation uh, their interest was in Jesus, Jesus and him alone, uh, in, in the reality of his life. Uh, this Jesus that uh, they begin to find after his death and resurrection ascension in the Old Testament. I mean, for instance, they, they would read in the Old Testament where they formed a pole with a serpent around it, and as they looked upon it, they were healed from the bites of the serpent. So hidden within the text of the Old Testament was this Jesus that was being proclaimed as the Messiah. They didn't really have a gospel. It's not until like 66, 67 AD before the gospel of Matthew and Mark really begins to circulate. And it's somewhere after 80 to 110 that Luke is uh, circulating. And then John sometime after that. They did have the Apocrypha, these sayings of Jesus that were compiled and held together by oral narratives. And eventually, some of them would be uh, woven into the narratives of the gospel. And yet, uh, there's still a number of them that we can identify, somewhere like 266 of them, that didn't actually end up in the gospels. Now, they don't change anything, but just to acknowledge that all of those oral traditions were what uh, was held on to during that first generation. Um, it, most of us understand that the work of Christ that was reported by the apostles, conveyed through the initiation of baptism into this community of the church, of the redeemed, and celebrated in the Eucharist in that uh, remembering of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that they encountered the reality of the risen Christ, um, that calling to live in a Eucharistic way, that calling to participate in the life of Christ, a life that's lived for others. Uh, that was held within that community of apostolic teaching, of creeds that explained our interest into baptism and the Eucharist, the Nicene Creed. Um, these things gave an atmosphere wherein the scriptures took shape and form. 
There were other writings around. Let's not forget there was the Didache, there was the writings of Barnabas and Justice, Ignatius, Polycarp. There were other Gospels even, the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Peter, Mary, uh, the Emphasy Gospels. Um, so there were other writings that, quite frankly, they were used, but they didn't quite make the canonical cut into those 27 books of the New Testament. Uh, doesn't mean that they weren't important. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't read them. They just didn't make that consensus, though they were read, and, and they sh we should still read them, actually. But those 27 books that became the normative, uh, the normal, normal, right? Uh, and they became the canon, the rule, the measuring stick by which we measure every other writing to this revelation of the Christ in scriptures. Uh, it's not that they're not read, but they're just measured over and against these canonical scriptures of the New Testament. It, 367 AD, uh, St. Athanasius kind of puts this all together, and we now find this uh, New Testament, the Old Testament, and they're held together then. And uh, they were developed, again, uh, through an understanding of those rules of faith, the apostolic creed, the Nicene Creed, the sacraments, the baptism specifically in the Lord's Supper, and then uh, apostolic leaders, apostolic succession, those leaders who can be traced back to the Christ and uh, how they would have uh, guarded, if you will, that, that revelation of the Christ. So 367, 4th century, nearly 400 years without a real definition of what the scriptures are. And then, quite honestly, those scriptures weren't readily available until the 15th century. Thank goodness for the Gutenberg Press that began to print the Bible. And even then, according to historians, only 10% of the population could even read the scriptures. So how then does the church evolve, if you will, grow in those 1,500 years if the basis of our faith is Scripture when the Scripture really was not that accessible uh, until much later, right? Well, in those early generations and even well into the existence of the church, uh, the critical issue was the hearing of the Word the reading of the Word of God. And you would encounter that uh, generally, most specifically, within the community of faith, within that community of faith that was held together uh, by uh, these creeds and by the Eucharist and by the apostolic teaching. And, and, and it worked, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God so that uh, the Scripture uh, was the life, but it found its life in the context of these uh, other things that affected it, right? Paul writes to Timothy and says, all scripture is God-breathed. I, I love that sign, uh, just the thought of it, that uh, the breath of God is revealed in the reading of the scripture. It's kind of like being close enough to someone that when they speak, you can feel that breath. And so that that breath that brings life comes to us through the scripture. And then he goes on to say it's useful. It's useful. The word, all scripture, the sacred scripture that's been brought down to us through this process is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting, training, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
we should have our lives jammed with scripture, right? We should have it read to us. We should read it. It should be that which nourishes us over and over again. I, I love following the Book of Common Prayer because there's this systematic way of reading the scriptures and exposing myself even to that which I might not do in my own individual thing. But but every every Christian should live within the Bible, live within every word. I mean, the Hebrew writer says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating even to the soul and the spirit, the joints, the marrow, judges the very thoughts and the attitude. I mean, the fact that the word of God is alive and active, it moves inside of us, it penetrates deep down inside, and, and the Hebrew writer says, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight, but everything is uncovered and laid bare, meaning that the word is light, and that light illuminates, uncovers, and reveals to us those areas of our life that need to be transformed and and formed and uh, into that image that Christ has called us to, right? So the scriptures, the, the sacred scriptures, are the final authority. They are that measuring stick. They are that rule whereby we, we read lots of other things and those things give context and continuity and yet the Bible, the scriptures, the Old Testament containing the record of God's actions and creation, the calling of his chosen people Israel to be a blessing to all people, the law that gives us the ability to live in a society together, the prophets that prophesy uh, God's intent towards all of humanity, the Old Testament points to Jesus, which and who will reveal God's intention to redeem the world. And then the New Testament, which is the record of what was happening in the life of Jesus, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, resurrection, and ascension, the ministry of the early church, as well as the revelation of his coming and the future revealing his kingdom and its glory. You see, the Old Testament now must be read in the light of Jesus Christ. And the New Testament must be read in the revelation uh, of Israel to the world. St. Augustine says that the new is in the old concealed and the old is in the new revealed. Again, let us remember there, there's lots of other books and writings by those early fathers that are not contained within the canon. The Apocrypha, for instance, is, is not doctrine, but they're writings of those early fathers that are important to us and give us a broader and deeper look into the life of Jesus. It's kind of like Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham is not uh, doctrine, but he certainly says helpful things to us. And as long as those things don't violate the canon, then perhaps we should open ourselves up to it. Uh, the scriptures, the sacred scriptures, I can't talk about how they're a basis of our faith without realizing that they have been misused in history, uh, that there is a history of how people used the scriptures to justify all kinds of things. You and I know the scriptures are the inspired word of God, and we, we gain all kinds of inspiration from them. But, but let's also recognize that humanity has uh, misused them for instance, in the 12th century in France, in the Great Inquisition, the Bible was used to justify uh, the way that they tortured people that they wanted to recant. 
of certain thoughts about Christ. They had iron collars with spikes in them. They had stretching machines that pulled their joints apart. Uh, Martin Luther, who I'm a great fan of, in response to the idea that the solar system was not the way he had envisioned it to be. I mean, science began to reveal that the sun uh, was the center and the earth revolved around it, but that was contrary to what he had believed up to then. And he said, you're a fool, because the scriptures tell us that that's not true. Well, that was a misuse of scripture. And then in the early 17th century, 1636 to be exact, the Massachusetts Bay Puritans quoted scriptures as they killed the Pinacoa Indians, literally uh, genocide, annihilating hundreds, not just of the Pinacoa men, but they justified the way that they murdered the women and the children, saying that the scripture declared that the women and children must perish with their parents, unquote. It, it is obvious that down through history, the scriptures have been misinterpreted and misused. I mean, we've seen scriptures used to justify slavery. We've seen scriptures used to try to resist the right for women to vote. I mean, Fulton said that if we give women the ballot, then we are no longer and can no longer be called lovers of God or believers in Christ, unquote. Uh, so to understand that humanity left to itself, left to its individualism, can misinterpret the scriptures, the Bible. Institutions can often misinterpret them. Intellectuals can misinterpret them. We, we have to remain cognizant of the holiness of these sacred texts and that we don't misuse them and that these scriptures, according to Peter, are not open to being a private interpretation or private uh, opinion, that they must be handled carefully. Uh, the writer of Luke says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is one of the final actions the risen Lord did before the ascension. He appeared to the assembled disciples, he broke bread with them and opened their minds to understand these sacred scriptures. Even in the midst of their bewilderment, he continues to unveil the meaning of the mystery of the Father's plan for Christ to come and suffer and die for us in order to forgive us, and then sends the Holy Spirit into our lives to continue to reveal and make known. St. Jerome says that the ignorance of the scriptures is the ignorance of Christ. We must have the reality of the Christ revealing inside of us the true meaning of the scriptures. That then must be done with great prayer. It must be done in uh, the world where the rule of faith, the creeds, uh, where the sacraments are handled with great clarity through these individuals of apostolic succession that guard uh, the true meaning of the faith. You see, it, it is the sacred scriptures that cause us to be reminded of who we are. When the people of Israel came out of the Babylonian exile and were brought back into Jerusalem, the scriptures say that they read the scriptures and they found themselves gathered around that with ears that were attentive, and, and they remembered and realized who they were. 
and they wept as they heard the words. Uh, you see, the Bible is not just the heritage of some people, much less the collection of books just for the benefit of a privileged few. No, the Bible, the scriptures, are the book of the Lord's people. For all those who will listen, for all those who will be drawn back into the unity that is called for, it will remove the division and bring us into that reality of being one with Christ. The sacred scriptures are so important to us. And those scriptures must not be used for our own individual or even institutional or intellectual goals. No, the scriptures bring us to the face of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things are made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The sacred scriptures bring us to the face of Jesus Christ, to his love, to his forgiveness, to his call to the unity to God and to each other. To this end, we must handle these scriptures wisely in the context of the people of God, in the context of of the creeds and the sacraments that we've been given. At the end of the day, living in the face of the Christ is more important than the argument over doctrines and dogmas for that matter. The scriptures bring us to be together with him. And with this understanding of the scriptures, it'll keep us safe. It'll keep us sweet. So, one of the foundations, one of the essentials of our authentic faith in Christ is the understanding of these sacred scriptures, how they came into being, and how they must be handled, and uh, how we thus live in the midst of the life that has been given to us. I appreciate so much the privilege of your time to begin these series of podcasts wherein we'll just have a conversation about uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ. Until next time, grace and peace. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.